turning to the Word of God this morning, to some portions of Scripture. Very important that we read the Word if you have it convenient to you, or you want to read and listen later on. That's your prerogative. It's lovely to have you. And if you're visiting with us, we give you a special word of welcome. And we'd like to congratulate Robbie and Ruth on the birth of their son and pray that the blessings of the Lord will be upon them in the days that lie ahead. And so we turn to God's word, first of all, to Joshua chapter 1. To Joshua chapter 1. And these scriptures read the following. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and of this Lebanon, even unto the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee or forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Turning to Psalm 95, please, and for a couple of verses there, uh, the verse 6. I want you to watch these verses and get a connection and meditate upon them. Verse 6, these words that we're going to read were sang every evening and still to this day in the tabernacle, in the temple, uh, as they worship God in the evening sacrifice and service. Verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Now here's the key word. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptations or testings in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and tested me and proved me and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. One more scripture and it's in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, and that will do reading the word of God today in verse 7. Here we have this word today again. Verse 7 of the Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, 
Now I want you to notice that, that the Holy Ghost speaks. Holy Ghost saith. The Holy Ghost speaks. Not only does he speak, he is a person. His voice. Today, if you will hear his voice, that's very important, you know, that the Holy Spirit speaks today. Today. If you miss that, you'll miss what I'm going to say this morning. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he speaks today unto all of us and unto you individually. The Holy Ghost has something to say today if you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. This is the same that they sang every evening unto this day. They sing it in the temple today. They warning the people. And the writer to the Hebrews here is warning the church, the Hebrew church. Today, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. This continually is the voice of God, even today, to the church. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as they did in the days of the wilderness, in the days of provocation, when your fathers tested me, in, uh, tested me, and saw my works for forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they would not, shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. And Paul, Paul if he wrote Hebrews, is writing to the church at Hebrews, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, now here it's again, today. Three times you have today in this and then in 95. Psalm. Today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, repetition, repetition by the Holy Spirit to get it into the heart and minds of these people. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so reads the word of the Lord. Just a short prayer, please. Father, we say amen to the prayers that have already gone up this morning to thee in regards to this gathering and this meeting and this message. We pray, loving Father, that thou would come and touch these lips of clay, we pray that thou would fill me with the Holy Ghost and power, and that I might deliver this message that thou hast given to me in clarity and with authority, and that today, Lord, thou wilt speak into the hearts of men and women, that we may take heed that God, the Holy Spirit, is amongst us 
and here to speak to us this morning. But we ask it in our Saviour's name and for his sake. Arise and go over Jordan, thou and all this people, unto a land which I give unto you. That is our text for our meeting this morning. And very clearly seen in this text are three very, very simple things that jump out at anybody that reads them. First of all, there's a people in the text. Thou and all this people. Secondly, there's a place in the text. Onto a land that I will show thee. And thirdly, there's a promise in the text. A land which I give unto you. That's the promise of God to his people. What a sight this must have been. Up on two million people, men, women and children, with their herds and with their flocks, standing back from the banks of the eastern Jordan River and looking over where it was one mile wide at this time of year, looking across over to Jericho, What a sight it must have been when they got the command from God to go over and to possess the land. A word given to Abraham, word given to Moses and to Isaac and Jacob and to Moses. But the fact is, my friend, this. There were 38 years too late. There were 38 years too late. It was God's plan and God's purpose and God's will and God's program that they would go over right after they came out of the Red Sea. Somebody calculated that it would have took them about 11 days to move from they came out of the banks of the Red Sea over into the Jordan. But they stopped, and for 38 years, two years on the way to Kadesh Barnea, and 38 years they wandered in the wilderness and did not go over. Now the writer to the Hebrews tells us that and we just read that this morning. And he told us the reason why. Because of an evil heart of unbelief they became hardened with the deceitfulness of sin and the grieved God and rejected and rebelled. And he swore in his wrath, he says, your carcasses will fall in the wilderness and you'll not enter in to the rest that I have given to you. Sheer and utter obstinacy and rebellion kept them at Kadesh Barnea for 38 years. And whenever the spies went over and brought the word back that there were giants in the land, uh, some of them said, Oh, would to God that we're, our carcasses would fall and we'd die in the wilderness. Be very careful. Be very careful what you say to God. Because that's exactly what happened to them. Their carcasses were buried in the wilderness and funeral and death after death and death after death. But God in his mercy and God in his grace and God in his love raised up a new generation. A new people to to go over and obey his command. A new day had dawned. And God preserved Joshua and he preserved Caleb to lead the people over to blessing and to victory and over to rest. And we're standing on the banks of the Jordan in a new day, ready to go over, ready to move over, ready to go over into the blessing that God had promised them years and years and years before. Now what I'm going to say now, you need to take heed. What I'm going to say now is very, very important. 
politically, prophetically, socially, morally, financially, economic, as far as the economy is concerned, nationally and globally. COVID-19 has changed the world. COVID-19 has changed the world. All you have to do is read your papers and listen to your news broadcast. Every news broadcast and every reporter that you hear talking, they're talking about a new vision, talking about a new era, talking about a new beginning, talking about a new day, a new world order, a new opportunity. Now, it doesn't concern me as far as the world is concerned what effect COVID-19 has on the world because this whole world is going to be dissolved. It's going to be burnt up with fire. We're in it, but we're not off it. It's going to melt one day. But what concerns me is, and should concern you this morning, is the effect and the fallout that it has upon the church of Jesus Christ. The world is not and never was the primary aim of God with any of the global pandemics, catastrophes, or anything else that has happened. It's always, first and foremost, the church of Jesus Christ speaking to the church, the redeemed people, the people of God who has been blood-bought, the eternal, everlasting people of the living God. And I believe, and I believe with all my heart and soul, and I did from the first day that I heard about COVID-19, that this is the final trumpet for the evangelical people in the evangelical church in the West. It's the final trumpet and the final call. His purpose for closing the doors of the churches, shutting us up, shutting us out, was to challenge us and was to uh, confront us and was to conform us and was to change us and was to speak into our hearts at this hour of this crisis in the last days of time. And as we have read, the Holy Spirit speaketh. And the Holy Spirit speaketh in a way that he never, I believe, spoke before to individual lives and hearts in these days. We have wandered long enough in the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea. We have long enough hindered God and blessing. And friend, this, this is a word to you as an individual today as well as me from the heart of God this morning. God has a word to speak to you this morning about your Christianity in your past days and years. And he has a word to say to the evangelical church wherever we are this morning about our carry-on and our procedure in the days that are gone. This is a new day. This is a new hour. This is the last opportunity that we're going to get. So take heed. It's time to arise. It's time to go over and possess what God has promised to us years and years ago. It's time to move on, my friend. It's time to get away from the unbelief. It's time to get away from the dearth and the death and the drought and the division of Kadesh Barnea. He has long enough plagued our churches. We have long enough grieved God. We have long enough hindered the blessing. Psalm 95, every night, every night, it was read for fear, for fear, for fear they would do what they did in the wilderness. 
That's what the writer to the Hebrews, for fear, for fear, for fear. He's telling the church, don't do what they did in the wilderness. And I say to you this morning, and we're going to spiritualize this as we close. From my heart, I say, don't you do. Don't do what our fathers did. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss what God has for you. Don't miss your calling. Don't miss using your gift. Don't miss surrendering all to God. Don't miss going through with God. Don't miss what he has for you and your family in the days that lie ahead. Don't miss it. This is the word to the Laodicean church. This is the word to the Laodicean Christian. Arise. Go over into blessing. Arise and go over into all that God has for us to possess in his mercy. And in his grace, he has watched and waited and tolerated us and suffered us in the wandering years of the wilderness. Surely, indeed, we have been going round and round like, Kedish, like the ones in Kadesh Barnea. Plenty of services, plenty of sermons, plenty of messages, plenty of meetings, plenty of activity, plenty of tracks. Plenty of conferences. We could go on and on and on. And, and A.W. Tozer put it, plenty of routine, plenty of rot, 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 but not a sign of revival. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Do we want to go back into the church to go round and round and round again? Do we want to come and get the paper as we do the, we used to do for the dances long ago and say, oh, I'll go here tonight. I'll go here tomorrow night. I'll not go there tonight. I'll not go to the prayer meeting tonight. Is that what we want to be? Is that what God saved us to be? My friend, this is a challenge. This is a call from God today to the heart of those of you who claim to be children of God. You have come past this mountain long enough. Arise and go. It's time to move on. It's time to move out. It's time to move over. Come out from under the mountain. Whatever keeps you back. Whatever keeps you back from, from facing up to the, to the future. Whatever keeps your gift back. Whatever keeps you, challenges you and keeps you back. Your responsibilities. Let us, with our heavenly Joshua. Let us follow him. Let us get our eyes onto him. And let us go through to victory, to joy, to peace, to rest. There's more, my friend. There's more and more and more and more. The ocean's full of God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's joy, God's peace. And we're only dipping our wee toes in the edge because we're so taken up with the world, so taken up with carnal things, so taken up with so many other things. And God is vexed and God is annoyed it's time we allowed the Lord to run the show it's time we allowed the Holy Spirit to have his way it's time we dumped our programs on our schedules it's time we got broken before God and began to weep and to cry and to call unto God this my friend this is your Kadesh Barnea this is your today this is the backslider's day. This is the carnal Christian's day. This is your day, my friend, your day. God speaking to you 
today. And I trust that you have been examining your life. This is the Rubicon. You know what the Rubicon was? Well, it was a river. It was a river in Italy. It wasn't very wide and it wasn't very deep. But Julius Caesar came there with his great army in 49 BC. And the Romans told him, the Roman governors and authorities told him, you cross the river and you'll be decimated. And he brought his men, Julius Caesar, to the river. And he stood at the river and he turned to his men and he says, men, we either go back or we go on. But if we go on, once we step out of this river, this Rubicon, the river Rubicon, once we step out of it, there's no turning back. The die is cast. Now, are you going to go back? Are you going to stay in the river? Are you going to go on over and possess what God has for you this morning? Are you open to God this morning? Are you open to the Holy Spirit this morning? Listen to what he says. Be strong. That's for the faint. Be encouraged. That's for the fighter. Be not afraid. That's for the fearful. Be not despaired. That's for the fragile. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I will not leave thee, and I will not fail thee or forsake thee. Now, believer, I don't know this morning where you stand. I don't know how long it has been since you came out of Egypt. Some five years, some ten years, some forty years. I don't know how long it is since you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb I don't know how long it is from you came over the Red Sea into the wilderness. But let me tell you this. Do you think that your Christian life as it is this morning, I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking to a large audience this morning. Do you think that your Christian life is everything that God meant it to be? Do you think that your Christian life is everything that the Scriptures suppose has meant it to be and what Calvary meant it to be? Is, your, is the life that you're living the land of milk and honey? Is the life that you're living the place where there's oil and there's rest and there's victory and there's joy and there's peace? Do you think how you spent the last week in your job, in your family, in your work, and then you know your own home, you know your own person, you know what went on, you know what you said, you know what you said. Do you think that that's all? Whenever God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, here's what he said to him. I have come down to deliver you from the bondage of Egypt. But he didn't stop there. That's where we stop. Out of bondage, saved, redeemed. I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. I can live almost as I like. It's a lie of the devil. He didn't stop there. He says, I'm to bring you into a land of milk and honey and rest and victory. That promise was to Moses. That promise was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joshua. You know, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells us of three kinds of people. Three kinds of people living on the earth this day. There's the natural man, the unsaved, the unregenerated man of the world, still in bondage, still in the slavery of Egypt, still dark and dead and doomed in his sin. He knows nothing of redemption, knows nothing of the glory of God, knows nothing of being saved through the blood of the Lamb. He knows nothing about being liberated from the power and the guilt and the shackles of sin. Paul says his spiritual discernment is nil. Is that you, the sinner? Are you listening to me this morning? 
and you're not saved. You may have made, maybe made a false profession, but you're not saved. Let me say, it's time for you to arise. The destroying angel is on the way. Listen, young man, that destroying angel could clip you before this night's over. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not the heart. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And am I speaking to someone who's not saved this morning? And you need to repent and you need to turn. And you need to cry unto God and you need to come out and rise up and come over. And then there's the second kind. The man that Paul talks about, the carnal man. Oh, he's out of Egypt. He's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He's on the banks of the Red Sea. He's singing, he's praising, and he's rejoicing. But it only lasted for a while. Alas, they hadn't gone too far until they started to grumble. They started to complain. They started to accuse Moses. They started to challenge God. The star said they wanted back to the onions and the garlics. They didn't want to go on. Oh, my friend, it went on all right for a while. Paul says that carnal man is full of envy and strife and division and lusting. That the rise on Paul and Apollos and Peter. How often, how often, let me say this this morning. How often is there a big hullabaloo made when someone gets saved? The good seed of the gospel has got into the heart, but it has fell on thorny ground because it doesn't last long. Oh, they'll give out tracts and they'll testify and they'll sing and they'll go on all right for days and for days and for days. Northern Ireland is full of new beginning, new life, everything well. I'm saved now. I'm redeemed now. Praise the Lord. Go to meetings. Thank God for all of that. But it fizzles out. Fizzles out. And then it wears off. And then the prayer meeting goes. And the meetings go. And the daily readings go. And the family altar goes. Oh, how sad it is. You have that in all walks of life. You have it with pastors. They have a big ado. They have a big night. They call everybody in. They're called of God. Great man. Great day. Great great man. Oh, this is a great call that we have. And he goes on the best for a year. Maybe two years. And then... It's my friend, it's not the way you start, it's the way you finish. It's not so much coming out of, out of Egypt, and thank God to be redeemed, thank God to be saved, but it's the going on. It's the going on. You have that in every walk of life. You have it in married life. Great. It doesn't last long. You have it in every area of your life, let me tell you. Your job, your new job, oh, it's great, it's lovely, but you don't be long getting tired of it. Same with the church. Oh, great church, great pastor, great minister, great messages. And then you look down some morning and there's somewhere else. It never was meant to be like that. Salvation was never meant to be like that. Oh, I'm saved and I'm out and I'm redeemed and praise God for that this morning. But you're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck at Katie's Barnea. And you're wandering round and round and round. And you've never went in for the blessings. And for the full possessions that God has given to you. And if you don't go over today, he'll leave you there for another 40 years. And I'm serious this morning. This message didn't come easy. And I have to preach it with all my heart and I will preach it. If there wouldn't be one car left in the car park, I'll still preach it. My friend, this is a word from God today. Today, sir, 
If you will hear his voice, you've wandered long enough. You've backslidden long enough. You've argued with your wife long enough. You've done the dirty deeds long enough. You've went to the Lord's table long enough. It's time for change. It's time to be real and honest with God. Then there's the third type of man that he talks about, the spiritual man, the Caleb and the Joshua's. The two men that God left, I think that man's heart must have been broken. Forty years, thirty-eight years, they watched them dying, dying, dying. Oh, I tell you, they fell down on their face before God and they cried and they wept. Ah, their hearts must, the hearts of these men must have been broken. Because these men, when they meditated upon the word of God day and night, they saw there's more. There's more. There's another land. There's another day. There's a great blessings for us. We, we're on the edge of it and we never entered in. We have missed it and we have lost it. It must have broke our heart. But faithful men, the way they stood and they waited for the day when God would bring them over again. And in his mercy and in his grace, he came to Joshua. He says, it's time to arise. It's time to go out. It's time to lead the people. It's time to bring them over to the blessing that I had promised for them. Oh, praise his lovely name. And he's given us this opportunity this morning. And he said it's time to step over into the blessings that God has, has for us. And he wonder Paul wrote to the church at Hebrew today, today, let me emphasize this. Why did he write that into the wee Hebrew church who are going through so much trouble and trial and affliction? He didn't want them to go back. He didn't want them to do The psalmist didn't want them to do what they had already done. Friend, I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go back. I want you to go on this morning. I want you to go into blessing this morning. So we have dealt with the people in the text. But then there's a place in the text. It says the land. The land of Canaan. It was over the Jordan River. They had to go over to possess it. They had to go in to get the benefits of it. To look at it and to talk about it and to photograph it was no good. And for three days, God made them look at it. One mile long in the time of flood. It was one mile wide. And they could see the walls of Jericho. And for three three days, God told them to stand. And you watch that. You look at that. I'll tell you that would have put fear into them. How on earth? Where's the boats? Where's the ferries? Where are the bridges? How are we going to get over that? What about the children? Million and a half. Alan Redpath says two million. How are we going to get over? How's our cattle going to go? How's our children? One mile wide. God says, You look at it. Because I'm going to do what's impossible. God can do, my friend, the impossibilities. Stepping over into the Canaan. Now, what does Canaan represent? This is what you're waiting on this morning. I know that. So all some like to tell us that it's heaven. Some preachers, I let me say carnal preachers, love to talk about it as heaven. We're saved. We're redeemed. We're on our way to heaven. We're going over the Jordan any day now, and we'll go over. Well, I can tell you it's not heaven. And I can prove that from the word of God without a doubt. It's not heaven. Oh, some of the priests, some, some, the word. I was told that as a young Christian. 
Oh, you're saved and you're, you're, you're redeemed now and you're on your way to heaven. That's great. You're going to go over the Jordan someday and you're going to go in over to what? It's not talking about heaven at all, my friend. And we have the hymns and we sing the lovely hymns about crossing the Jordan into heaven. Well, I'm glad I searched my hymn book and there's no hymns like that in it. What does the word tell us about Canaan? Well, here's, let me, let me give you quickly three things about Canaan. First of all, in order to possess the land, they had to face seven wicked nations and root them out. Root out the strongholds. Well, let me tell you this, I'm not going to heaven to fight. I've fought enough down here. I'm not going to heaven to fight with seven enemies and wicked and evil forces and dispossess them out of the... I'm not going to do that. The second thing is this, nothing that defileth shall enter heaven. And whenever these people got into heaven, they sinned grossly. They even went so far with idolatry that they offered up their children on the sacrifices of Moloch. That's in Canaan. So if you want to say it's heaven, then go on. Nothing that defileth shall enter heaven. Third thing is, they were dispossessed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They were driven out. They were driven out into captivity. Will I tell you this? When I go to heaven, I'll not be driven out. I'm going to the land of glory, the land of peace, and the land of rest. Ah, there's a great gulf fixed, and I'll not depart, and we'll never be out. It's God's eternal resting place, God's eternal home. No enemy will put me out. No foe will drive me back. It's God's heaven. Hallelujah. I could give you three more, but that's enough, so let your mind be settled. And if you have that idea in your mind that it's heaven, then get it out of your mind this morning and read the word of God. So you're wanting now, well, what does it mean? Well, I'll tell you for, the, for, for many times I've told you. And I tell you because I've experienced it in my own life. And a preacher can only preach about something that he's experienced in his own life. And after that, you can do what you like with it. It is the people, there's the place, there's the promise. It's rest. Nine times in Hebrews, this promise is referred to as rest. Rest. Let me read the text now like this. Arise and go over Jordan, thou and all thy people, into a land where I will give you rest. That word rest is repose. That word rest is contentment. That word rest is peaceful, joyful, free from stress, free from worry, free from anxiety, and free from fear. Hallelujah. Paul says, whatsoever state I am, I'm content. Hallelujah. Down here. This moment, we can have all this. This is what Alan Redpath, Graham Scroggy, F.B. Mayer, Oswald Saunders, Sidlow Baxter, A.W. Pink, and many others call the victorious Christian life. Not an up and down life. Not a grumbling, moaning and complaining life. Not a life when you get up, I don't think I want to go to church this morning. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to witness. Not that sort of life. It's not sinless perfection either. We'll never be without sin. We in Northern Ireland have called us so many names that people don't know what to believe. 
I can tell you, my friend, I'm just saying this morning, there's a going on in. There's blessing. There's power. There's possession. There's a life living above, above the life that we're living in our carnal state. There's a spiritual life. A spiritual life. Let me close like this. It's not a place. It's a person. To Israel, it was a place. It was the land of Canaan. To us, it is a person. To us, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's victory in Jesus. My friend, if the blood and the cross and the suffering and the hammering and the scourgings and the crowning and the spitting means anything, it means victory, it means rest, it means power, it means joy down here. But it means battle too. You see, we don't want the battle. There's a battle. There's a fight. We need to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the power, the wiles of the devil. But oh, we can get into that victory. We can go into that blessing. We can go into that peace. We can go into that joy. We don't live it one day and have it not the next day. We can live in a spirit-filled life. Oh, how glorious, how wonderful, how lovely it is. No matter what the trials, no matter what the troubles, no matter what comes our way. God knows plenty comes our way. But we stand with the armor on and we declare Jesus Christ as our Savior and the the righteousness of Christ with the breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth, the helmet of salvation, down behind the shield of faith and the shoes of the gospel of peace and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, slaying the enemy, slaying that thought, slaying those lustful thoughts. Victory. Jesus. Have you been there? Have you come there? Are you living in it? It's not so much the victory, but the victor. Read Ephesians. That's what the letter to the Ephesians is about. He explains, he explains the blessings of God the fa- and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who brings us into spiritual blessings in high places. Who has now raised us up together to sit with him in heavenly places. Now, raised up, that's not heaven. He's raised it up to sit with him in heavenly places. We can live in heavenly places down here. We can live with the joy and the rest and the peace that God has for us. But you have to enter in for it. You have to go down and say, Lord, I'm tired of my old life. I'm tired of my old ways. I'm tired of the old soaps. I'm tired of the old criticism. I'm tired of it all. And stay on your knees before God and ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And he'll give you a blessing and get your eyes onto him, looking on to Jesus. And if we go on with this, which we might well do, next week, he says, get your eyes on the ark. The priests got the ark. Man, two million of them stood back from the Jordan. And the priests got the ark of the covenant on their shoulders. Do you know that ark, that ark, that ark of the covenant went three quarters of a mile out in front? Talk about social distancing. The priest took the ark three quarters of a mile out the front, separated the way out. Why was that? Well, it was that every man, woman and child, even the ones at the back, could see it. Now, this is the way God says you're going to go over. You have to get your eyes on the ark. If you get your eyes on Christ, the ark of the covenant, you've got to watch him. Don't be looking for the bridges and don't be looking for the ferries and don't be looking for the, uh, for the boats. 
Nobody looking down at the water. When the feet of the, 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 the priest dipped their toe in it, it'll come up. Leave that to God. You don't bother about that. You see, it says whenever they went over, he says, I'll bring you over every place where the sole of your foot shall tread. Not the soles of your foot, the sole of your foot. One step at a time. One day at a time. Don't be getting all tied up about tomorrow. Don't be getting tied up about these interviews that you're having and these hospital appointments that you're having or the COVID-19 coming back again. Let it come back if it likes. It's not our business. Get your eyes onto him. Get your eyes off the, off the wide, raging Jordan River. Get your eyes of all else around you. Just get your eyes onto the ark. Get your eyes onto him. Look away to the person this morning. Look away to Christ this morning. Follow him this morning. He's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Follow him this morning. Keep your eyes fixed firmly upon him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Look to the ark. What do you see when you look to the ark? The mercy seat. Oh, my friend, God has been merciful to us. God had been merciful to these people for 38 years. They wandered around in Kadesh and Bernier. You know, they provoked him, they vexed him, they grieved him. He never missed the day that he didn't give them the manna. He never missed the day but he didn't give them the water from the rock. He never missed the day that he didn't give them the quails. They didn't need the pillar of fire or the pillar of fire for they weren't going anywhere. But oh, my friend, even in their rebellion and in their sin and in their provocation that we read in those scriptures, God was merciful to us and he has been merciful to you this morning. Where would you be without the grace of God this morning? But you haven't given him your all. You only give him a wee bit. You haven't given him a quarter of your tithing. You've robbed him in tithes and you've robbed him in your time. You've robbed God. And yet you never sat down at the table, but there wasn't food for you. Brought your children home safe. Blessed you with a thousand blessings. And yet you hold back from complete and utter surrender to him. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind unto that which is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. It's good, it's perfect and acceptable. You have to step over. If you want to go back and wander for 38 more years, you just do that. But you have to step over by faith this morning and say, Lord, do it in your car. Do it when you go home. Do it. And say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. I want to finish well. I don't want to finish in Kiddish Bernia. I want to finish with the covenant promise. I want to finish looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look on to the mercy seat. Look on to the gold that rimmed round that ark that speaks of his deity. Look onto the wood that speaks of his humanity. 
Look unto the rings that speaks of his eternity. Look at him. Look at the manna. Physical food. The law was within it. Spiritual food. There was manna in the ark. There was the Ten Commandments in the ark. And Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded, my friend. Freshness, vitality. Every day, new day. Mercy's new every morning. Those three things were in the ark. They knew that. Those people of God knew that. They were taught that. Listen, his mercies are new every morning. Look unto Aaron, the priest, the great high priest, whoever liveth to make intercession for us daily, fresh and powerful. He's daily praying and interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. He prayed for you this morning. He prayed for you every day. He's praying for you now. Give him, give him what he deserves. And he said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as they did in the wilderness when they provoked me and their carcasses fell in the desert. Come into the rest, into the rest and peace. Rest about the future. Rest about your family. Rest about your health. Living that life of victory day by day and loving the Lord and praising the Lord and serving him. COVID-19, above all, as far as the church is concerned, is the Kadesh Barnea that he in his mercy has taken us out of if we go, if we step over and follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. Father, we thank you and we praise you for giving us help to deliver this word that you give to us. We thank you for the joy of preaching truth, Lord. Oh, God, we just ask forgiveness for a lack of love and concern and passion. Oh, God, our wee day will soon be over. It's soon be gone now. It'll be over to the eternity. It'll be too late to pray, to preach, to listen. Be too late, Lord, to step over into blessing and live in regret, Lord, of not possessing what God had for us. Yet we think of the multitude of gifts that you've given to the church. We think of the multitudes of finance you've poured out upon so many of God's people. Though God, we just ask forgiveness, Lord, for holding back from God. We thank thee even in our rebellion, and even in our faithlessness, you feed us and bless us and keep us and love us. Lord, may those who hear this message and he that has ears to hear, let them hear. Every church, Lord, we read in the Asia Minor, that was finished off with that. He that has ears to hear, let them hear. There will be some, Lord, this morning, and they'll not hear. They'll not be one bit changed, Father, whether their hearts are hardened or not, we don't know. But I pray for those, Lord. I pray for young men. Oh, the old generation had died away. They've sinned against God. But, oh, God, I pray for young men and young women, Lord, to be raised up, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power, and not to fail where we failed, but to go on over into the blessing and root out the enemies. And go on into their houses and their homes and the good land that God has provided for us. And then one day there remaineth there for a rest.
for the people of God and we shall be with thee in the glory forever. Accept our thanks for Jesus' sake. Amen.